Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father John, Father Nathan Goble. Hello, listener land. Good to be with you today on a rainy Thursday here in uh, in uh, Littleton, historic Littleton, Colorado. The uh, looking at my uh, my good friend here. We are uh, he's already yawning, and uh, it's going to be a yawner today. But we're picking up, uh, and we're doing what we can. Isn't that right? Yep. Yep. We got our drinks, though. We're good to go. We got a good topic today. Have you prayed evening prayer yet, John? Today is a feast day. Thank you. I was hoping you'd, you'd call upon that. The uh, Feast of uh, St. Joseph. I think this is the first time in podcast history where we're going to record and then publish on the same day, because we've been behind. Well, that's, uh, that's the hope. That we'll, is the hope. We'll see if it happens. Dare we hope, as von Balthasar would say. The uh, I said today at Mass that today uh, St. Joseph makes St. Patrick wear brown. Nice. <laughs> and everybody's like... <laughs> so. It's been a, a good couple weeks for us. We have not uh, podcasted in a while. Part of it is because March has been kind of a crazy month. But um, I think uh, we want to honor uh, a life well-lived and uh, Goebel's uh, grandfather. Yep. Grandfather, grandpa Tom, Tom Aderman. Tom Aderman, who passed away uh, last Monday. Last Saturday. Last Saturday. So, yeah, my brother goes, my brother called me today. He's like, I was just thinking about you. I was like, oh, that's so nice. I was like, what What prompted it? He goes, it's Wednesday and there's no podcast. And I'm like, well, you can blame that on grandpa. That's right. Because we were, I was in, I was in Illinois celebrating the funeral. So back in the motherland. That's right. The land of good earth. There was one good, I mean, it was a beautiful funeral, and I was very happy to be there, but uh, there was one important thing that I needed to get done while I was at home. Which was? I don't think we, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but... um, Is this your kindergarten report card? No, that was funny, though. You want to tell them about that? So, uh... I gotta find it. Goebel's mom was, uh, they're redoing their kitchen, and uh, under the dishwasher, they found a kindergarten report card of uh, little Nathan Goebel. Yep, third quarter. And we noted uh, he's a good listener. You know, when you're in elementary school, you have like O, S, and I. Is that right? Outstanding, satisfactory, or... Yeah, yeah I was like, yes. Incompetent. I don't know what yeah. the I stands for. Uh, but you were a very like good listener. Needs improvement, I needs think. Needs improvement. But he was uh, marked for his good listening skills and his attention to um, details when... Uh, how was it? When authorities or superiors are looking at him, but yeah, follows directions. Follows direct. <laughs> follows directions. That was the. But then the uh, the last section, he's pulling it up right now. I believe that was uh, that's where the scores were low. Yeah, that's okay. It's on Insta. There we go. Maintains good behavior when not under direct supervision. <laughs> I got an I, the first. So that's improving. I got an I the second semester and the second quarter, and then the third quarter I got an I. Again, so you were improving so. every time, hey? That's right, every single that. time. You yeah. know, listens well, while others speak every single time. Every single time. Well, speaking of improving, no, I was going to say what I was doing. Oh, don't interrupt. <laughs> so there are two steak and shakes here in Denver, right? Um, and so they're the farthest west. And I've, I when they opened up, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Steak and shake is only back in Illinois, and it's kind of a Midwest thing. It's like Ohio, Missouri, et cetera. Okay. I go there and I get a Frisco melt. It's not good. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they just opened up. You know, a lot of places they just open up. They burn the fries. I'm like, come on. You got to be kidding me. 
So then I got another Frisco melt or a chicken, chicken Frisco melt. And it was the same thing. So I go back to Illinois to like the heartland where like steak and shakes are kind of, you know, like bread and butter. And there's this large black man. And I said, buddy, I just came in from Colorado. I need you to make me a classic (laughs) Frisco melt and do it exactly like you normally would. And it was incredible. He said, he's, but then I told him, I was like, yeah, the one out there, they burn the fries. He goes, man, they burn the fries. They're so small. That'd be bad. I'm like, exactly. Exactly. Well done. Well, uh, speaking of improvements and, and report cards, we've gotten a lot of fraternal correction here on the podcast as of late. What? Uh, Deacon Stephen Akers um, Uh-oh, is yeah. one of these people who said, uh, Deacon. I actually do listen, and I'm a deacon. I guess we <laughs> referred to all these other deacons, and then we called him Steve Akers. And he's like, what the heck, man? So yeah. Deacon Stephen Akers, we respect your uh, your That's ordination. It. Well, if I can convey another fraternal correction, because yeah. somebody else told me this. So it's like, there are times in which someone on this podcast, I won't name names, but they say something to the effect of, I can't believe people listen to this stuff. And <laughs> they find that offensive. And they're like, we do listen. Stop saying that. I know. I need to stop saying that. I've only done that about 175 times. That's right. So. The, uh, and, and then I was fraternally corrected after Mass at Queen of Peace because they said, you always talk about how nobody at the parish listens. Oh. They called me out, Too which late. I deserve that. So there are people who listen at who Queen of Peace. Uh, I didn't know them. I said, send me your names. I'll give you a shout out. But uh, uh, I just met them after Mass. Good people, though. And then the biggest fraternal corrections we've received are around the the uh, the BS proportion to content of the podcast seems uh-huh. to be uh, growing growing significantly. Okay, so I guess according to a certain Andrew Polito and Molly Rogan, we BS for about fifteen minutes on the faith doubt uh, topic, and then Doctor uh, Doctor King Cake down in uh, um, Louisiana said Ed Waterman. Dr. Ked Waterman said uh, she sent us some some marital counseling tips that are applicable <laughs> for friendship and priesthood, and uh, so I guess we, uh, I guess I made a, a public manifestation of how absolutely insecure I am when I don't feel like you're listening. Mm. So, so that was uh, all part of the correction. And so. we worked through a lot of it. Uh, some of it's touch therapy, but you know we're uh, we're we're doing a lot better. That's right, we are. So, with that being said, we better get into the... Five minutes later, I guess we should just get onto it, you know? No recycling today. People said, they're like, we fast forward through the BS part to really? the content. I was like, you gotta be... That was Andrea. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Andrea. I think some people enjoy it, but you know Don't. what? We're just sensitive guys, you know? <laughs> so the... Uh, Andrea... Okay, the other thing that Andrea said was, the only thing that we've ever said about her on the podcast is like all these horrible things... So well, she's in good company with Father Brian. That's true. Did I tell you somebody came up to me and said, "Who's the British companion?" Yep. And I was like, "Oh, that's Father Brian Larkin." So, yep. But he'll never listen. So we love you, Andrea, and she really is a wonderful person. So. Good. She's a good person. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. So we're at it. Here we go. Here we go to the topic. So well, we're gonna get to it roundabout ways. So I got. He's an ex-cop. They killed his partner. Now it's personal. The. Uh, to the topic. To the topic. So I was up at 3 a.m. this morning. You said 4 a.m. Well, I think it was more like 3.30. Okay. And I kind of rolled around for half hour, and then I finally was like, I'm getting up. But the first thing I had stuck in my head was what? Gregory Allen The morning Isakoff. offering prayer? Oh, really? The Anima Christi? Oh, no. Gregory <laughs> Allen Isakoff. Okay, good. Well, it's 3 a.m. again, like it always seems to be. That's right. 
And uh, so we're starting this podcast today. We're going to use a little Isaacoff. It's it's a rainy day. We're talking about hope despair. Uh, Isaacoff is definitely melancholic. I think he's probably hope despair. Uh, and uh, so we're going to kind of tribute to him. And I don't think he'll sue us anyways because he's a good guy. And he's our buddy now. Let's right? hope. Yeah. yeah. Dare we hope. So I'd like to talk today about uh, hope and um, and despair, but I want to start with a connection between uh, this is my own personal struggle. So so we were talking about in the Faith Doubt podcast. There's kind of you can talk about theological virtues, and then you can say you know which one really is my struggle. And uh, so we were talking about are you are you faith doubt? Are you hope despair? Are you love pride? And we're gonna do love pride here next couple of weeks, right? So for me, it's definitely hope despair. And one of the signs of that is not being able to sleep. Oh, Charles Piggy wrote a poem called "The Portal of the Mystery of Hope." You know Charles Piggy? Yes. Turn of the century, twentieth century uh, guy. One of the first men to die in World War One actually is Charles Piggy hmm. in the first battle in France. Uh, it's nineteen fourteen. So he, uh, but he wrote this poem in nineteen ten uh, called "The Portal of Mystery Hope." I read it last week, and because uh, it's on hope. And one of the things he talks about is he talks about. Hope is this little girl. Faith, hope, and and charity. Faith is um, the spouse. Uh, charity is the mother, and uh, it's three sisters. And uh, hope is the little girl. And everybody thinks hope is just being dragged along, but she's actually the one kind of moving the other two along. So it's kind of his image for hope. But in the in the poem, he makes this very interesting connection between sleep and hope. And uh, I don't know if you ever remember, Sister Timothea read it to us in class one time. I don't know if she did for you guys no. also, because we look kind of haggard running through seminary. And this is what he says. And this made me think, because I wasn't sleeping last night, a.k.a. despairing, whatever, full of anxiety. This is what he says. Human wisdom says, don't put off until tomorrow what can be done the very same day. But I tell you that he who knows how to put off until tomorrow is the most agreeable to God. He who sleeps like a child is also he who who sleeps like my darling hope. Hmm. So he makes this beautiful connection between hope and sleep. We don't think of sleep as something we need. I, in fact, we were just talking about how I got five hours of sleep last night. That's what Father Felix, my pastor, a.k.a. Franco, uh, gets every night, right? At one point, he was on me about not getting work done, and I said, let's do the math here, pal. If I sleep eight hours a night, you sleep five hours a night. That's 90 hours every month. <laughs> Good point. That you are producing, and I am not. So how am I supposed to keep up? 90 hours, right? Two more work weeks. But according to Piggy, uh, the man who has hope is the man who can sleep. man who can say, basta. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who can say mazel tov, as uh, Father Nathan says. Yep. We were in uh, Craig, Colorado, and he was uh, introduced himself as a, a Jewish man. To our, no, I didn't. Uh, to Haley, poor Haley. At, I said uh, I did. I said I didn't like ricotta cheese, and she kind of looked at me like, "Why wouldn't you want ricotta cheese?" And I said, "It's fine. Just tell them I'm a kosher Jew." Right. And she was like, she didn't get it. Well, she was loving it. She was loving the gobel. So, uh, so, anyways, I want to talk just a little bit about hope today, and I've printed him out this nice, nifty handout of type notes. I'm wave that around a little bit, right? Yep. So we're not yeah. going to have another hope, doubt, uh, crisis like we had last time because uh, we, we've got <laughs> all things are possible. I'm already right? despairing. I, I can tell. So um, what I'm what I'm doing is pulling here from uh, again our good friend Joseph Pieper, who is a uh, who wrote a book called Faith, Hope, and and Love, and uh, this is kind of the hope section. So this is kind of a crash course on hope. Um, I gave this talk to um, the people who I'm doing. I'm doing the Camino to Santiago uh, this summer. 
And uh, some people who are listening have probably done that. The hike across northern Spain, even though I have one functioning ankle right now. We'll see how that works out. I might be calling you, uh, you know, from yeah. some village and saying, Goble, get on a plane, come help me out here. But because I gave the talk to them, I have something actually prepared today, which is unlike most podcasts. All right. So, Joseph Pieper on hope. Um, but let me ask you a question first there, Father Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um because I finished giving this conference, and Ted, our good friend Teddy Hamstra said, "Yes, I'm more confused than I ever was. What is the difference between faith and hope? He said, after listening to you for an hour, I now have absolutely no idea. You've completely you know, um, confused everything that I ever thought. So if someone is going to ask you just off the cuff, what's the difference between faith and hope, what would you say? It's a harder question than you think. I can give a definition of hope, but I can't give a definition of faith. I'll right, start with that definition. Of As hope. you can tell, like on the Faith Doubt podcast, I was pretty checked out. Right. Hope to me, and like that I've read, and I think it might even be from Peeper Aquinas, is related to the passions so that one sees an obstacle in front of the object of its desire and knows the difficulty that lies in front of it and yet believes that it has the the ability to surmount the obstacle and unite with the object of its desire. So well said. I don't know if that's the theological virtue, though. That's well, the hope. That's passion as a hope. Yeah, I think that that's a really good distinction. It's not even a. It's not even a belief. It actually, hope actually gets you over the obstacle. Right. So. So the first thing to know about hope is that it's something that's unattainable. Unattainable. So, like, I don't. If I say I hope that I. Um, can get in my car and drive back to Aurora tonight. You mm-hmm. would say, why do you hope that, right? I can do that, right? Right. But it, but to hope implicitly implies uh, the, atta- the future attainment of something that I cannot, that I cannot personally get. I hope that I, you know, whatever. And for one of those interesting things is that uh, yes. Aquinas says that hope is not on a natural level of virtue. It's only theologically a virtue. Well, and see, that's where when I was, because I talked to Teddy um, whenever I was in Steamboat. Um, and he asked me the same question. And I was like, well, faith is a seeing, but it can't, it can't see it before its eyes. It actually, God actually gives one a sight of himself, but it's not exactly a sight where you can just like log in and have access into the beatific vision. But it's a knowing without seeing. Right. So I was talking to him about, you know, Abraham. Abraham couldn't see that what God had what had God had told him would come true and yet he believed. Right. And so he had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness. Right. So then if we're talking about theological virtues, then we're talking about God and um as it says in the scriptures, no one has ever seen God um but the only begotten son. So if we're talking about that, then faith is God's knowledge of himself. Hope is actually saying that even in this life, even though you can't see God and you desire to attain him, it's possible. Right. And then the last thing I said to Teddy, and I don't know if this is true, would be love being God bringing you into himself as opposed to you finally coming to him. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, I like it. It sounds good. And just to add to that, I was having a conversation this morning at uh, Aviano Coffee with a guy named uh, Joey Stenberg. Joey Stenberg is uh, getting his um, 
PhD at the University of Colorado, but he's kind of an Aquinas guy. And I just said, I got to talk about this later today. What would you say? And he and I said, how would you distinguish between hope as a passion and hope as a theological oh, virtue? Oh, yes. That's we're and he said, um, and it's kind of what we're working on right now. He said, uh, hope is a passion. So a, pa- a passion is like a, an appetite. It's something that happens to us, right? Sensible appetite. Exactly. And like you said, when it's faced with an arduous good, and he said, imagine that um, you are... Um, so I'm reading the uh, Chronicles of Narnia right now. Yes. The Chronic of Narnia. Yeah, exactly. You remember that? The yeah. uh, um, And uh, he says, imagine you're like in Arkenland, you know, like the third one, uh, the horse and his boy or something. And you see the, the I think it's a critique on Islam, but the, you see the guys coming from the south to raid. And he says, the passion of hope is, let's say you see this army approaching that's going to attack you. And he says, and you look back and you see your army coming from Narnia, you know. And you, and your something swells in your heart to say, we can take them. You know, we can. Right. That's hope. Uh, if you see the army from Narnia not come, and you say, oh, you have that feeling of it's despair, right? Yeah, that's, that's how he described the passion. It's kind of this kind of movement oh. based on what's happening. Okay, the passion. It's uh, the passion. Yes. The theological virtue is an act of the. All the theological virtues he said are act are a commingling of the intellect and the will. Um, and so there is an intellectual thing to say, yep. this is attainable, but there's also a choice of the will and adhesion of the will to say, this is not the end, right? So for example, right. when we talk about the theological virtue of hope, it really centers around the event of redemption. This old fashioned's given me hiccups, sorry. Um, and uh, it's all about Christ. It's about Christ uh, and the impossible, the impossibility of getting over one's sin and one's weakness and one's brokenness, and being able to attain something right. which is impossible for us, namely salvation. And it's also something that we can't see. Right. So even, I mean, with uh, that's why hope is so interconnected with death, because it seems like an end, right. and yet the obstacle is this you know, evil that we all have to suffer, and yet there is hope. There is hope yeah. that somehow we will transcend it. I would see it as like if you if you think I can't get over this this obstacle I can't get over this mountain like with the army and then the you know like it's a wall or it's you know and then all of a sudden like Christ is the one that takes you over it it's God himself in faith hope and love that transcends right it's not my utilization of faith hope and love like you know power rangers or something right. like that <laughs> um like God actually and this is what we went through with um uh, John of the Cross with Dr. Lillis, where God is actually creating in you his own self. Right. And it's his own self that he sees in death. So. I think that the other thing is, um, in going back to Teddy for a second here, is... Um, Teddy. Teddy is... Uh, by the way, we never... I We got to fire our sound guy, the guy who's mixing down these podcasts after we record them, because we were supposed to have the White Stripes music on the last one. Yeah. And we didn't. Was that yeah, you? That was me. Yeah. So, this is a problem. It. I know. We don't listen to him. We just post him. So I know. I know. I'm sorry, okay, jo- Jolene. Jolene. Teddy. Oh, it's over. Doctor Waterman. It's fine. Just go on. <laughs> just go on. The uh, so 
What did I, Teddy say? I was reading this morning in Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That was the office yeah. of readings this morning. First line, right? So you can even see kind of the blending of faith and, and hope. It, so we're making distinctions, but it, it, at a certain point you can't even... And Balthazar has that great line in his essay, Vocation, where he says, the union of faith, hope, and love is the act of unlimited readiness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. kite, as Goransky would say. Right, so so they 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 have to be integral in the person, but mm-hmm. we can we can talk about them and make distinctions. So the best way to talk about hope, according to Joseph Pieper, is to understand it in the context of what he calls the man as a status viatoris, mm-hmm. right? Pilgrim, man as a as a status, meaning like the state of viatoris, via being on the way, right? Yep. So man on the way, man is a pilgrim. So what I was talking about on at the Village Inn on as we're eating a uh, pie and John Fraker's uh, drinking one of these milkshakes. It's amazing how many people are at the Village Inn at ten thirty on a Friday night. Oh yeah, it's just a packed house, you know. So we're sitting there, we're talking about this, but hope is really a, proper to the pilgrim. And I think a lot of times what happens in in my life is that uh, I lose the virtue of of hope, the grace of hope, because I destroy and I collapse the state of being a pilgrim. I don't think of my life on pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. I think of my life as a list of to-dos that I got to do every day and I better get them done or I'm going to, you know, get yelled at by the parish receptionist or my pastor's going to, you know, exact a couple of my toes or something like that, you know, something like that. That's kind of how I live my life instead of this kind of pilgrim concept. So he, so, um, if you would join me in your handout, yes. um, yes. one point a, he says, uh, this is a quote from people. He says to be a viator means, one on the way, right? So you're on the way, via. The status viatoris then is the condition or state of being on the way. It's proper antonym, unlike an- antidote from the last podcast. You don't remember that? No. Your memory is so short. It's almost as gone as mine. Um, the proper antonym is the status comprehendis. So man in this life is a status viatoris one on the way, mm-hmm. when we arrive in heaven, will be a status comprehendis, right? Being in the state of comprehension. So one who has comprehended and encompassed, um, arrived, is no longer a viator. <laughs> I know. I can't, I can't pronounce words. <laughs> Just keep at it. The virtue of hope is preeminently the virtue of the status viatoris. It is the proper virtue of the not yet. Yeah. So hope is proper to the absence of fulfillment in this life. Does that make sense? Well, but with the comprehensor, they're saying you will never be a comprehensor in this life. Mm-hmm. Which means you're never going to understand things. Right. Even with Evernote, Nathan. Oh, what? Evernote. I tried to show him and he almost vomited in his mouth. This, this, this program is amazing. This app. I'm glad. No, you're not glad. Glad, 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 <laughs> glad. What is that from? So Evernote is uh, is one of these things that it's like another tool that I think I can control my life with, right? And I can organize every thought I've ever had, and then I can control Nathan's life. That's right. I was going to wait for that. Control other lives, other right. lives with it. The loon. Up, oh, Garrett Dean. He loves the loon. Does he? Yeah. Garrett Dean. Yeah. That guy. Me. Garrett Dean. Let's talk about him for a second. We already did. We did. We told him. Uh, go bail. Yeah, but what was the one that we? What was the new idea for the beer that we oh, had? Oh yeah, Garrett. We got a new idea. Go ballistic. Go ballistic, yeah. So, yeah, I think that needs to be another strong porter, probably. Go no, ballistic. like an imperial. Imperial ale. Go ballistic. G-O-E-B. Yes. 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 So, Garrett, thank you yes. for listening. I don't even know if he's listening, because he's got a lot of kids, and 
He's got a lot on his plate. So, anyways, uh, so you want to get, you want to cultivate the virtue of hope. You got to cultivate the fact that you are a pilgrim in this life, which uh-huh. means you can't collapse the tension of living without knowing. That's the that's the problem right there. Mm. That's why so many people who struggle with faith uh, faith despair are people who hope despair. Uh, sorry, hope despair are people who think that they can know everything. Like I think I literally wake up every morning and I'm like, I can comprehend everything in my life and I can understand everything and I can control everything. I don't think that at all. You're not hope despair. You're faith doubt. What? Are we ready for this? Let's do this. Yeah, you're faith doubt for sure. Okay. That's why you were shutting down on the last podcast. Okay, so uh, let's go to the next <laughs> section. Two point B. Are you ready? Two point B. I thought this was interesting. Peeper makes the point to say that the natural foundation of hope is is two natural virtues, magnanimity and humility. Magnanimity being? Greatness of soul. Greatness of soul. And uh, and humility. And you don't usually think of those two in tandem. Most people have never even heard of magnanimity, but Aquinas is really big on it. He's like, this is one of the key virtues, to be great in soul, right? When I think of a magnanimity, honestly, I think of Curtis Martin, the founder of Focus. Really? Yep, I do. He's always kind of my like reference point because... Uh, he, uh, I don't know, he and I, we don't exactly see eye to eye on things, but there's something about him that I just am like, yeah, he's striving for greatness and you can feel it in his soul. You haven't talked about his kids and the Beckman kids, you know, they just, there's something different about yeah, him right? in their eyes. I think they you have said. bright eyes, bright eyes, which yeah. I made a scripture reference to father Brian Larkin. And I said, they all have bright eyes. And I meant it in terms of scripture. And Brian's like, you know, that's from second Samuel. I was like, yes, that's why I said it to you. Gosh. You're never good enough. The lion heart. So <laughs> we listened to a lot of uh, Monsters and Men. Yeah, but that's what I think we of. Got st- we got that- stuck. So back backstory. Monday, um, Goble and I are that having a having hilarious. a uh, companion's family picnic, sitting at the uh, stagecoach reservoir outside a steamboat. Mm-hmm. Father Brian decides to go for a run. Ooh, aren't you just so great and healthy? And As we we're have, drinking two tall boys in front of stage. So, yeah, the reservoir. companion's uh, picnic usually consists of backcountry provisions, which have the best yeah. subs. Uh, tall boys. He had a Bud, which was disgusting, and I had a Coors. And then, and then, of course, you got to have some uh, Turkish Golds as well. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the park ranger shows up. Yep. And she says, where's your pass? <laughs> which I thought he had one on his car. Yeah, whatever. I did. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Elizabeth. What was her name? You were the one that was being all apologetic. I was the one that was keeping it real, man. I thought, I thought we were in trouble for drinking. I was like, I was like, hey, 50. Yeah. John hides, hides. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Hides his tall boy next to him. Like, she's not going to see it. I thought maybe she'd pass on. But we're the only ones sitting there. And... Uh, and then she's super cool. So we just had to fish through Larkin's wallet while he was running to pull out seven bucks and pay her off. But what, what does that have to you, do with magnanimity? You tried to say, um, if I give you a Cold Stone gift card, <laughs> yeah. She goes, that would be a bribe, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know what that has to do with anything. So I've been, I've been up for like fifteen hours. Already. I thought you were going to tell a story about how you tried to take Link's pass. Well, we were getting there. So after we got booted by the, uh, by the the forest ranger, then squirrel chaser, then I was like. Guys, there's a shortcut to Kremlin, Colorado. And I said, <laughs> what this sounds say? like an hour and a half detour. I didn't remember hearing that. Yeah, right. So we drive up Link's Pass, and it's paved. It's great for an hour. You know, no problem. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden, bam, yep. that's it. It's over. So we got back about 11 o'clock on uh, Monday night, and uh, mm. had to deal with some very angry 
Brother Priest because uh, of my stupidity. So I, I was fine. So we listened to Phil Collins on repeat. That's right. How many times must I say I'm sorry? That's right. right. And uh, okay, anyways, I don't know what to do with anything. But magnanimity and humility, I think that's just an interesting thing to think about. So if you're if you're struggling with hope, like I am, then you got to say those are the two virtues you got to cultivate, right? Because yeah. grace builds on nature. And if you're not magnanimous and you're not humble, then you're not going to be able to to build on that. God's not going to be able to build that foundation. And a lot of times we expect him to do that without the natural foundation. Just like with faith, I think trust, if if there's a struggle with trust, you're not going to be able to, um, to, to deepen that theological virtue of faith. Well, it makes sense that it's twofold because um, if hope has an obstacle in front of it, one, you have to size up the obstacle. Right. Secondly, you have to size up yourself. And so like the foolhardy, you know, is on one side and the the what pusillanimous would be on the other side so the other person says i can go over this and then just like totally bombs it and then the other person says i can't do this but really they could um so humility would be or humility would say i know my own strengths and i know my own weaknesses and i know the obstacle in front of me will be arduous magnanimity would say in tandem with humility that not only can I do this, but I will do it. Right. Yeah. Good nice. distinction. Well done. Let's go to part, part three of let's our go, podcast. Let's go to part three. Folks. Thanks for listening. Here. You just follow along. <laughs> um, anticipation destroys the pilgrim character of existence, right? That's what I put on here. So uh, Peeper does this really interesting thing where he says there's two ways of destroying hope, despair and presumption. All right. Yeah. So uh, despair, he defines as anticipation of non-fulfillment. Yeah. And uh, and um, presumption, he defines as anticipation of fulfillment. So anticipation itself destroys the pilgrim character of existence. So, for example, if you're Father John Nepal and you want to know everything about everything and you think you should know everything about everything, anticipation, which a lot of times is a mental thing, right? I'm just running. I got to control. I got to understand. I got to kind of get things figured out uh, about my life and uh, uh, anticipation. And just to be honest, you know, I'm at four years. I've been a priest. I could get reassigned at any moment. Tis the season of reassignments. I'm kind of anticipation, anticipation. Who do I know? Who can talk? Who can tell me this? Who can just so I can know? He's networking. Networking. LinkedIn. Yeah, he's definitely LinkedIn. Bring your business cards to the young Catholic professionals. He's like he's like asking any and every person who can give him any ten bit tidbit of information. Scheming is right. So I'm if anybody uh, listening to this podcast, if you know anything about my future assignment, <laughs> it's a big deal. You get an assignment. It is a big like, deal. Think of it I know. Like this. Think of it like this as a priest. So I could get a phone call in the next two weeks. I might not, but I could. And that phone call would determine where I'm going to be, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do until my nephew is in eighth grade. He's one years old right now. Jackson, Jackson John Lynch. If you throw your entire existence into like the the life of God and you you've disposed everything, then what does it matter? I know. But you faith doubt people. You don't understand us. You faith doubt people don't understand So me. it's right. It's anticipation. It's, I know. It's grasping. It's hard. It's, it's, a, hard. Gra- it's yeah. a grasping. I was the same uh, way whenever they announced, like, oh, they're meeting for the focus teams. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I guess I'll go wherever. But I really wanted to go to the Naval Academy. Yeah. And if I went to the Naval Academy, I sure as heck wouldn't be here. Amen. And here we are. Why didn't I go to the Naval Academy? <laughs> 
So uh, one more <laughs> one more point about despair. We're on point three B in case point you're following three. along. Uh, so uh, anticipation of non-fulfillment, his his understanding of despair, which is the true opposite, the true antithesis of hope, is yep. despair. But this is what I found really interesting. He says, the beginning and the root of despair is achadia. Mm. I, I, I just was like, wow. I've never thought, I know I struggle with despair. I've never thought of the fact that my despair is rooted in achadia, which is? Laziness. <laughs> Which is uh, sp- which is the Latin for sloth. The deadly sin of sloth is defined as achadia. It's a spiritual sadness, mm-hmm. and what it is is it's it's um, for those of us who struggle with this, achadia is uh, when you're sad over the the greatness of your supernatural vocation, because hope is a supernatural end, and to say, I just I can't fulfill this. I can't do this. Yeah. I don't want, I don't even know if I want this. Achadia, right? And this is what's interesting. If you are a workaholic, I'm raising my hand. Bing. You're not. That's one of your Bing. Uh, this They're is what, on both sides of this. This is what Peeper says. The senselessly exaggerated workaholism of our age is directly traceable to Achadia, which is the basic characteristic of the spiritual countenance of precisely this age which we live in. Whoa. Drop the mic walk away that's what Sunit would do right now the senselessly exaggerated workaholism is rooted in achadia and that's the definitive mark of our age we're activistic we're workaholics because of sadness because we're sad sloth is a form of sadness and it's the source of despair so if you want to be a man or a woman of hope you have to fight that temptation to sloth crazy huh presumption right the anticipation of fulfillment he says, presumption is less opposed to hope than despair. Uh, he's, he calls it a false assimilitude. So it's like a false understanding. It's a, it's a false understanding of hope mm-hmm. to have presumption. Uh, despair is the real antithesis of presumption, right. of, uh, of hope. And so it's interesting. You know, I think about these things, um, and I think a lot, and I pray a lot for hope. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this who are going to be resonating. They're not going to be like you and just, oh, it's fine. You know, everything's great. Everything's not great, right? But it's different. We had this conversation yesterday when I called you five times <laughs> and texted you. Yeah, he. I got five phone calls within six minutes, and I thought somebody's dead. I didn't think you could see that because it kept going to voicemail. Oh, you can see it. It gives oh. you a number next to your name. Funny. And I thought uh, Larkin's dead. That was my first thought. Larkin's and then my dead. second thought was we didn't take Bella- back the Red Box movie. I knew it. <laughs> well, I guarantee Wunsch has not returned the. Which, by the way, Jason, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> return the movie, which was another horrible decision. <laughs> Sorry, John thought- Wick, not a good movie. That's a good movie. It, no, it had no plot. It was just him killing Russians. This is awesome. God, every single month I watch right, one fine. movie. We're gonna watch Monsieur Vincent. No, I want to watch Frozen for like the next six months. Every month we watch Goebbels. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes recommendation, and I leave like spiritually destroyed. And I know Larkin agrees with me. So once return the movie because you're losing a dollar twenty five every day. Okay. So that's that's all I got. What? No, you were actually having a thought. I uh, yeah, I lost it. Sorry. We're already at thirty five minutes. Let's shut her down. What was the other thing you were talking about? Uh, I think that's it. I think that the biggest thing is Piggy's book is out of print, but it's it's really beautiful. I'm just going to read this to kind of close, and then we'll do some shout-outs. Are you ready for shout-outs? Sure, why not? So the little girl, Hope, 
Piggy's The Portal Mystery of Hope, right? He says, this is, this is a quote from him, and we'll close with this. What surprises me, says God, is hope. I can't get over it. This little girl, Hope, who seems like nothing at all, this little girl, her, Hope, immortal. Because my three virtues, says God, the three virtues, my creatures, my daughters, my children, are themselves like other creatures. Faith, a loyal wife, charity, a mother, an ardent mother. Hope is a little girl, nothing at all, who came into the world this Christmas day, just this past year. That's beautiful. Hope is something that's little, but is so essential to the Christian life. And I think that uh, the more that we reject it, and the more that we try and believe and then love people, the more we're missing out completely on on the one thing that matters, uh, which is that without hope, love and faith, they don't sustain and they're not possible. Hmm. Bam. That's all I got. Bam. Want to do some shout-outs? Sure. You want to start? I will continue the the gratefulness that we have for our listener land that um, have sent in gifts associated with the loon. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, I did talk to Lori Brown, the original giver of the loon lamp or the loon clock, and I got a letter to Father Goble. Just to me. Just, just letting you know. Oh, that's great. It was on Ash Wednesday. Here is a loon lamp. It's actually a night lamp. Uh, nightlight. Here's a loon nightlight from your biggest fan at St. Mary's College of California. I want to thank you and Father Neppel and the whole CSYSK crew, <laughs> which is Father Neppel and myself and Minto. And Minto. Uh, and Michael uh, Hickey, who publishes them. And Michael Hickey. God bless you. She spent uh, six years jumping out of airplanes and deploying to wretched war-torn places. And now she is in RCIA classes and will be confirmed the Sunday after Easter. Nice. She found the podcast shortly after making her commitment to faith, and it has been a real joy to know that there is a place for young Catholics who might be a little uncool or weird to experience their faith. That's why it was addressed to me. Of course. The uncool and weird. Yes. Um, she said, and P.S. Also, I love the loon clock. Viva la loon. Many blessings. Madeline Broadhead. And another P.S. FNG, which is, you know, yes. my initials, means something totally different in the Army, which I want to hear. I think it's new guy. Nice. Something new guy. FNG. So. Nice. So, yeah, Madeline, thank you. Thank you, you Madeline. I, uh, I have placed it in a place of honor. So um, I love the name Madeline, too. I told my family, I said, I have one request. I want a niece named Madeline. And I got it right away. So that's a good name. Noreen Zeno and her husband sent us t-shirts. The anti-tech, which is ironic because we're a podcast. The what? They sent us those t-shirts, you know? Anti-tech? Anti-tech. They're kind of like... Oh, yeah, log shut, out. Shut up, log out, shut off your computer. Log out and run. Log out and run. Which I'm like... So thanks for the t- We got a lot of t-shirts coming in. Yeah, we I actually it. left mine at the house. Uh, this week, uh, last week, I was at Light of the World. I met Anthony Martinez and Allie Hopez. Uh-oh. 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 Sorry, Allie. I think I mispronounced your name. I think I mistyped it. And then Davis Gunter. You know who Davis Gunter is? You know Davis Gunter? You don't know Davis Gunter. I don't know Davis Gunter. He's John Fraker's best man in his wedding. Oh. And uh, Davis secretly listens. Secret. John Fraker is one of these guys like you who make sure that their friends hate each other so that they don't become friends. Yep. So John Fraker made sure that Davis and I hate each other. But this shout-out is to say, Davis... I enjoyed meeting you at the Josh Garrels concert a year ago, and I hope you're doing well. Good. Good? I want to give one last shout-out to um, Father Joel Phelps um, from Champaign, Illinois. He's at St. Patrick's 
um, church with um, the guy that used to, the priest that used to be at my grandma's parish in Chillicothe, Father Father Joe Hogan. <laughs> um, and uh, so Father Joel got in trouble um, and made the news because he distributed ashes to some high school kids that weren't going to be able to make it to Ash Wednesday Mass. He got up at 6.30 in the morning to do a Liturgy of the Word service. No one was forced to go. It was just the students that wanted to go to Ash Wednesday services. And then he got a bunch of crap from the parents who said, separation of church and state, blah, blah, blah. Joel Phelps, I taught you how to serve Mass at University of Illinois. You're a great cat. You're a priest. Don't let him eat soup off your head, as my grandma would say. Amen. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. As always, I'm Father Nathan. This is Catholic Stuff. Sayonara. What do you want to say? That's it. Oh. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Nice making his way to shut off the computer. Shut up.